Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb. And I'm Julie Douglas. Save your applause because we were talking about applause in this uh, episode. I don't know if you do applaud us after we're done. Um, as you're listening to us in your car or mm-hmm. on the train or mm-hmm. in, in your bed, but I, I hope I just assumed everyone applauded when we finished. Well, hold on a second. Let's just let's just listen to a little bit of applause. Yeah. Let's just really soak it in. I feel better already. Yeah, I, I knew they loved us. I, I knew it too. Um, you know, we are, of course, talking about clapping today, applause, about what it all means in our universe and what it can tell us about the laws governing the ways that we operate in the world. Yeah. For instance, the big one, of course, is when do you clap? When do you not clap? When is it appropriate? When is it uh, unseemly? When do you not want the clap? Yeah. Clapping. Clapping. Uh. Hmm. Okay. And, of course, there's a rich tradition of Clapping in childhood and happiness, right? Because if you're happy and you know it, you will clap your hands. That's what the song says to do. And who are we to doubt it? Yeah. Exactly. And clapping really is one of those things that is just a rudimentary, uh, percussive instrument, right? You, you can use it. You can start your songs. It's like used a lot in folk music, right? Yeah. I mean, it's the, it's the instrument of our bodies. Yeah. It's right up there with like hand boning. Hand bone, hand bone, where you been? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I don't know really the rest of that song. I don't think anybody wants me to sing the rest of that song. Uh, but you can also use clapping as, as even like a signal to turn electronic devices on and off, right? Clap on, clap off. Yep. Right. So, and, and there's a satisfaction to a good clap. Have you ever noticed that? Yeah, yeah. Like a like a good, just a rich clap where you really kind of cup your hands a bit and you you, you get that. That solid sound, yeah. Yeah, it's a good, meaty connection between your hands. And it sort of comes to symbolize something really important to you, right? Like that performance was so enriching and, and beautiful that I must somehow express myself. <laughs> My wife often gets on to me for um, when we're at events where there's clapping. Like generally what I'll do is I, I love to clap and I will I will applaud uh, an artist or or even a, you know, a movie if it's, if it's really had an effect on me. But, uh, but I mean, my hands get a little tired doing it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not that it's like wearing me out and I'm just, you know, you know, out of breath or anything. But like after, you know, 10 claps, you know, you get kind of a, a stingy sensation because I'm really committing on my, my early claps. So if the audience continues to, to applaud, mm-hmm. I'll often, uh, go to a silent clap where I look like I'm clapping, but I'm not really making any noise. Because and, at that point, you feel like it's obligatory clapping. Yeah, so I'll continue to keep up appearances, but I'm not really going to contribute to the volume of, of applause. And uh, and my wife thinks that's kind of silly or something. All right, well, we're going to touch back on that in a moment. Okay. Um, I wanted to point out that Jay Fisher, he's a classics professor at Yale University, he dates the custom to at least the 3rd century B.C. He said, you see it at the end of a lot of plays by Plautus and Terence where they have this word plaudit which is an imperative meaning applause or clap. Mm-hmm. So we see it there. Um, we also know that it was popular in ancient Rome where it joined finger clicks and waving handkerchiefs, an expression of, of appreciation. So they would do clicks with their fingers? Yeah, I thought that was just a unique thing, but yeah. I did not realize that that had its origins in, in ancient Rome. And uh, Bruno H. Rep has a paper all about clapping, the sound of two hands clapping, an exploratory study. And he found... I thought this was fascinating. <laughs> there is no gender difference when it comes to ladies and gents clapping. 
Do you mean like sound volume or how much they do it? Exactly, both. Oh, wow. So he, he wanted to explore this idea because he thought, well, hand size is a clear sexual dimorphism, right? Yeah. So Men's hands are big and meaty and gross, and women's hands are slight and beautiful, right? And couldn't sure. possibly produce sound. Sure. Exactly. Or the daintiest of, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but he found that there was no, there was no difference whatsoever. Huh. I thought that was just kind of funny to, to, uh, find out about. But anyway, if you ever want to know everything in the world about clapping, you should definitely check out Rep's paper, The Sound of Two Hands Clapping. So we've all been in a, an environment, obviously, where applause is taking place. Uh, if you haven't, then, then we have some questions about your life. But, uh, for the most part, everyone knows that knows what generally happens. So it's like a couple of people start applauding, mm-hmm. then the applause builds, and then a curious thing begins to happen. I mean, you don't think about it as being curious at the time, because it happens all the time, but, uh, a little synchronicity leeches its way into the applause. And we know that this is really important in social constructs, right? Because right. we've talked about the, the social contract that we all unwittingly sign because yes. we want to be cooperative. We want to be a community. We have to get along. We have to have, we have certain norms that we, we generally want to, uh, to meet. Yeah. And uh, uh, clapping is just another way to communicate. In fact, in Samoa, which is an island in the South Pacific, mm-hmm. uh, rhythm, dancing, singing and music are really integral to that culture. And so clapping is a is huge part of how they express themselves through these stories. And, and they reenact these different stories by using these sound signals. And I just wanted to play a quick clip of that um, because I thought it was so cool to be able to hear this community uh, all participating in this act. Of course, uh, you should really check out videos of this as well, because uh, any of these uh, these ritual um, you know, Samoan performances are always a, a real treat to uh, watch as well. So you look at something like this, and then you begin to wonder, well, is this something that um, is integral to humans? Are we born clappers? Or are we made clappers? And a pediatric physical therapist and researcher at the University of Hartford, she says that uh, we are, are we're made and we're not born. She said that I think it's a learned behavior. I've seen babies spontaneously from excitement clasp their hands together, but the motion of clapping is a learned behavior. Hmm. So if left to their own devices, a, an, a, an unschooled infant might learn to clap. But generally speaking, you're, you're taught to clap before you do. I mean, it's, to me, it's kind of a hard question to answer because your motor skills as a baby aren't really up to par to clapping, right? Yeah, I was terrible at it when I was young. My family continues to give me a hell over that, but... Um, Really? Yeah, I couldn't like make. I would try to clap, and I would go like this. So. <laughs> You're crossing your your arms. Yeah. If people like, could see you right now, like they I'm would missing. see that like you're trying just... to clap, and I'm missing my. Here, let me. Yeah. Okay, do it now. We need to do the quick clapping of hands together. Oh, there we go. Okay. All right. You're pretty good now. Well, now I'm all right. Yeah. All right. So, um, what does all this have to do, though, with social synchronicity? There's a 2012 study from cognitive neuroscientists at the California Institute of Technology. And researchers found that the body movement synchronization between two participants increases following a short session of cooperative training. And it suggests that our ability to synchronize body movements is is a measurable indicator of social interaction. So in other words, we need this. We need this motion in order for all of us to say, hey, we're all on the same page. Yeah. I mean, you think about any kind of like a physical um, activity such as, uh, you know, like, like anytime you're, you're, say your work or your, 
your church or your, you know, whatever kind of group goes out and does some sort of service, uh, activity. Mm-hmm. Like if you say you're digging a ditch, like you can take people that do not dig ditches, uh, normally in their course of their life. You can get them out there and via this kind of synchronicity that we, we have, uh, uh built in, we can generally avoid shoveling each other in the face by accident because right. you'll, you'll fall into the synchronicity of the chore. But you're right. You're right. So we and and just I'm thinking about uh, rowing canoe too, right? Yeah. So if you if you've got two people rowing, that you just generally fall into these rhythms. Yeah. Now it may take an hour or two, and and you're <laughs> and and if it's if it's a, a husband and wife in a canoe, your relationship might not last long enough to reach that point of synchronicity. But stick with it because you'll get there. You know, uh, my husband and I used to canoe a lot in mm-hmm. when we lived in Raleigh, North Carolina, and. Um, I could always sort of tell what, take the weather of our relationship uh-huh. on those Sundays when we were doing that. Cause, you know, if you're not in synchronicity, if you're not sort of on the same page, then you start to squabble and you're not really rowing very well and then you're <laughs> just sort of rudderless. But, um, what I thought was interesting about this study is that the researcher, Kyung, um, Kyung Sik Yun said that the reason why they're studying this is because it could open new vistas to study the brain to brain interface. Uh, that appears when cooperative relationships exist. So they're looking at this as possibly an extrapolation of looking at how two brains can create a loose dynamic system. Hmm. So, of course, you know, my futurist mind goes, ooh, this is, you know, a way to study this and somehow link up brains. Yeah, I mean, there are a number of really fascinating studies out there right now uh, talking about the the possible use of this, uh, linking two brains together for, um, for a single task, such as piloting a spaceship. Yeah, and it's and it's fascinating to see something just as elementary as clapping your hands as being able to study the ways in which our brains change with this activity. Yes. So this is all sort of predicated, this clapping and this social interaction on this idea that has recently come out that not only are we all meme machines, we take our thoughts and we spread them mm-hmm. as evidenced by the Internet, but something like clapping is a microcosm of the meme and how it spreads. Okay. So if you look at clapping... You're talking about like applause in a, in a given environment, say at a, yes. at a show. Mm. Yeah, yeah. In fact, um, it, it's looked at as as a sort of virus spreading out throughout the audience. There's a paper published recently called The Dynamics of Audience Applause, and it's in the Journal of Royal Society Interface. And the lead author, Dr. Richard Mann from the University of Uppsala said, you can get quite different lengths of applause, even if you have the same quality of performance. This is purely coming from the dynamics of the people in the crowd. So in other words, it's not like how great the performance was. It's how the meme of the applause is spreading throughout that audience. I imagine uh, performance artists that are listening to this program, uh, be they a musician or a wrestler or what have you, or an actor, they, they can probably tell you, oh, well, that's obviously the case. Because mm-hmm. if you go out there and, and let's say your your solo is just as excellent uh, on this night as it was uh, the night before, mm-hmm. but it's a different crowd, it's a different town, and sometimes the crowd is just not going to have that dynamic. Uh, they're not going to eat it up. And uh, and there's uh, maybe a lot more to that than just uh, you know it being a sleepy small town versus a big city. This is why you have to plant clappers in the audience. Ah, if you if you wanted to have a big, resounding, robust applause, you know, five minute applause, you would have to have people who would be sporadically <laughs> spread out. Um, and the reason is because the researchers found that 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 behavior, that um, tapering off of volume, mm-hmm. happens because people begin to not participate, and then that non participation sort of gives license. 
um, or the, that lack of volume to those other people to say, ah, okay, so I'm not going to so clap done. anymore. Yeah. Just okay. sort of like how you said, like after 10 claps, you're kind of like, eh. I'm kind of done here, yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was interesting, too, that in this study, they point out that it doesn't take that many people starting the applause mm-hmm. or stopping it to uh, to affect uh, the, the overall volume. Yeah, it's something, a couple of people, right? Yeah. So you have a couple of people start it. Mm-hmm. Let's say you have 20, 30 people engage in it. Mm-hmm. Two people drop off, and then, boom, your applause begins to, to go on the downward curve there. It can be uh, uh, like the, one of the more... Like two two examples of this come to mind. Like if you've ever been to something where you did not like the performance, mm-hmm. say like it seems like I've encountered this before. But it's you're going to something where there are various performers, uh, and and maybe you're not really there to see it, but see the one that, you, that just performed. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and you're there's something in me that I'll be stubborn. And I'll be like, well, I'm not going to applaud that. That was horrible. Uh, but then everyone else is applauding, and it's it and it takes a real. T- it's a real test of will. To not fall in and clap. Like, I generally end up at least doing my silent clap just so I don't look like a jerk. Right. <laughs> and you feel kind of like a jerk on the inside, right? Yeah. Because it's the silent. Or you feel like, I will not give you that volume. I'll look <laughs> like it, but I'm not giving it to you. <laughs> <laughs> and an- another thing that comes to mind is um, uh, if you've ever been to a play and you don't realize that uh, it's family night, so it's the-, the family members and friends of the oh, people yeah. performing. Yeah. I uh, went to uh, uh, we went to a play years ago, and it was the, the same case. The performance itself was, uh, uh, you know, heartfelt. The, the performers were really into it. They they were really believed in their product, but it was very rough around the edges, and and ultimately uh, just kind of weird and, and boring. Uh, the music was great, but at the end of it, I, we, there was this standing ovation from everyone around us, and. And I, I kind of felt like I was going insane for a second because I was like, why is everyone loving this so much? Did we see the same play? Uh, you know, the, is it, uh, is there some sort of weird generational divide here? And, and I began to wonder, is this what it feels like to, to have like some sort of dementia where the world is responding in a certain way to stimuli and you are not having the same response? But as it turns out, it's just all those people giving the standing, oh, they were there because their friends or and or family were involved in the production. <laughs> I love that. I love that you're like, this is this is a, a possible alternate reality yeah. that you're experiencing. And, and but, could and this it, be like dementia? Yeah, because again, again, it comes down to the pressure, the social pressure of yeah. the applause, where if the applause is that strong for something, it's like, is there something wrong with me? For not fitting in with this, yeah. why am I not having the same response? Another awkward kind of applause moment, I think, is office applause. Ooh. Because you're in a meeting, someone does something great, of course you want to acknowledge it, but then you feel like you can't not acknowledge that. Huh. You know, could you, could you? I guess you could not just sit there and fold your arms. We and... don't do that here, though. We're a pretty unsupportive bunch for the most part. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. every once in a while, like once every two years, though, there's some sort of <laughs> clapping thing going on. Let's take a quick break, and when we get back, uh, we will talk about how clapping and neurons are related. Wow, that was an inspired uh, performance there. That 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 was pretty awesome. Oh yeah, we had that person come in to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She did great. She, she did great. was share was great. Ah, well, um, if you're just joining us, uh, and I'm not sure how you're doing that since you would, someone listened to the first half of this podcast for you, but we are talking about applause. We're talking about clapping, yeah. and we're talking about uh, 
all the stuff that's really going going on under the surface, uh, both uh, psychologically, uh, socially, and uh, and indeed uh, from a neuroscientific standpoint. Yeah, and I wanted to mention that that um, that study about clapping it was from a team of mathematicians and biologists from Sweden and Germany, and one of the things they graphed were the times at which people started to stop clapping, and they found that that graph had a sigmoidal curve, like graphs of people getting infected and then recovering from a disease. Huh. So I thought that was sort of wow. interesting. Again, this idea that it's a social contagion. Wow, that it, yeah, it virally infects you, then you're you're in the throes of it for a little bit, and then gradually you recover. It's like, oh, all right, I'm not clapping anymore. I think I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah, I've recovered from this. Yeah. yeah. Um, I also thought it was interesting that your neurons, they actually act like a clapping audience. Ah. And it turns out that your brain, this ability to adapt to circumstances and this rapid-fire progression of neurons... Um, it is all related to that because let's say you detect an object, like let's say like a baseball hurtling toward your head. Um, you have to size up the dimensions of it and its relationship to your body. And then in a split second, you're sort of switching between all this sensorial data mm-hmm. and you're making a decision whether or not to move your head away from the ball or catch it. And there is a associate professor in the Wallace H. Coulter Department of Biomedical Engineering. His name is Garrett Stanley. He says there's a switching of the circuit to a different function. The same neurons do two things and switch quickly in a matter of seconds or milliseconds, though a change in the synchronization across neurons occurs. And he says if you think of the neurons firing like members of an audience uh, with their clapping hands, then the sound of clapping becomes louder when they all clap together. So it kind of makes sense that you have that immediacy, like move your head or catch that ball. It's sort of like that, that uh, crescendo of the clapping huh. of the neurons saying, come on, give attention to this. <laughs> now, another cool study that, uh, that we found uh, was one uh, from uh, a researcher at uh, Ben Giron University of the Negev. And uh, they conducted uh, the first study of hand clapping songs. Uh, and it revealed a distinct link between uh, these activities and the development of important skills in children and young adults, uh, including university students, which uh, was really fascinating because they're, they're studying... Uh, Obviously, there are social ramifications for clapping games. You get kids clapping together. We've talked about this, too, with music. You know, people come together in song, and you're essentially firing up your neurons in uh, in unison. You're Mm -hmm. sharing in this activity, uh, this viral activity, if you will, and uh, and it it strengthens the bonds between you. So, obviously, if you're playing... uh, uh, what, patty cake, patty cake, baker's man. Yeah, you know that kind of one. thing. Then it's uh, there's a lot of social activity. You're you're clap, you're moving th- in unison. Mm-hmm. There's actual physical touch involved. It's uh so it, it's a no brainer in that regard that it would help socially. But uh, as it turns out, there's also some, there's also an impact on learning as well. Yeah, um, the, one of the reasons why they wanted to look at this with kids elementary age is that they found that they they really like to engage in clapping activities and mm-hmm. clapping songs at age six, but then they drop off at age ten. And so what they figured out is that those kids, when they engage them in, say, like, board-sanctioned educational music, like one group just in song, Mm -hmm. and another group um, with hand-clapping songs, they found that those kids, over like a 10-week period, they were able to catch up in their cognitive abilities, those clapping kids, Mm -hmm. as opposed to the non-clapping kids. So it points to this idea... That um, kids may gravitate to it naturally because it's integral to motor and cognitive training at those ages. And then they also found that it's good for adults as well. And part of this, uh, they point out, is of course nostalgia. If you if you played yeah. these games when you were younger, then it, it's a, there's a warming effect to play them now. Uh, but uh, but in this uh, the questionnaires that they sent out, they found that uh, that adult students who uh, 
took part in clapping games. They became more focused and less tense. Uh, so the next time you're feeling uh, a bit stressed, uh, maybe you just need uh, some patty cake in your life. Mandatory patty cake time. So you're sitting at your desk, you're working on something, you're under deadline, you're totally stressed out. Yeah. Just start clapping. Yeah, or right? hand boning or some sort of, you know, you know, just hitting the thighs or something that might work. Um, I was trying to think of a bunch of, um, of clapping songs uh, when I read this, and the only ones that came to mind were Patty Cake. Some church songs, but I can't remember any of them, but I know there are church songs that have clapping in them. And then, of course, We Will Rock You. But that's more of a oh, stomp, stomp, yeah. clap. But certainly but if you that, get a whole you know, auditorium doing that at once, uh, then it's pretty spectacular. I was going to say, because you were synchronizing your entire body to this, your brain mm-hmm. and all of your limbs, and feeling like you are now invested in something completely outside of yourself. Yeah. Which, yeah, kind of gives you that big, warm, fuzzy feeling toward humanity. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least her, towards Queen. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, should we slow clap ourselves out of this episode? I guess so. Yeah, the slow clap we didn't really get into, but that, of course, is the uh, sarcastic clap. But, and the uh, the thing about the, the slow clap, though, of course, is that sometimes you see the um, see a scene in a movie where the slow clap is like that. The first individual to clap is that person who stands up and just like the, the really heartfelt clapping slow that, that builds to everyone else applauding. Yeah. So. Well, I think those are in, in the films that it's like Mr. Holland's opus. Yes. You know, it's sort of like emotionally charged, like here's the grand moment that's been realized. Yeah. Whereas the other slow cap is kind of like the, the an Agatha Christie parlor room mystery where like, oh, you've figured it out, have you? <laughs> Bravo. All right. Well, we'll, you know, we'll let you, uh, we'll give you a moment here in just a second to, uh, to applaud us for another podcast. Um, hopefully well done. Um, or slow applaud us if you found, uh, found this, uh, uh not all that helpful. Uh, but, uh, we think it's pretty interesting. And certainly, uh, you know, some of the most mind blowing stuff is, is when you take something every day, something you just completely take for granted and you get to, to really dive down into the depths uh, beneath it. So, you out there, if you have any uh, tidbits you'd like to share based on uh, this information about clapping, we would love to hear from you. Um, what's the weirdest uh, clapping or applause situation you've encountered? So what's the most awkward? Uh, we always love stories like that. Uh, and you can get in touch with us a number of ways. You can go to our mothership, StuffToBlowYourMind.com. You can go to Facebook or Twitter. We're on uh, both of those. On Twitter, we're Blow the Mind. We're also on Tumblr. And uh, I think there's one more way to get in touch with us. Oh, yeah. You can send us an email at BlowTheMind at Discover. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. 